Everybody say, I have favor with God and I have favor with man. We saw Samuel in the word of God. It said he had favor with God and he had favor with man. And then we see even Jesus. Now listen to me. If Jesus, the son of God, needed favor with God and the favor with man, you need favor with God. And favor has always been available to you. It's just the Lord is emphasizing it. You got on your seats. Everybody take one. Those are three compiled words the Lord has given me. And those came by inspiration. It's not something I thought of. It's not something I hoped for. As a matter of fact, I'm just being real and honest. When it comes to the new year, I try not to get something. Because everybody tries to get some cute little saying and stuff. I don't need another cute saying. I want to hear what God has to say. So God did download this to us, and so you need to understand. He said for 2024, and we're already in February, it'll be December before you know it. And, and we're not going to, and it's not a hype thing, but if God said in 2024 was a year of profuse favor, what ought you to have? Profuse favor, a favor that abounds, and you do have favor. Are you children of God? Are you sons and daughters of the Most High? Then say it boldly. Say, I have favor with God. Hallelujah. And because you have favor with God, now you have favor with men. I'm talking about a favor that people do things for you they wouldn't do for anybody else. And we've been talking about this. Yes, it's a raise. Yes, it's the corner office. Yes, it's a blessing here. It's a blessing there. That just happens because we're seeking God. But the overall arching thing that the Lord is trying to get to us is he puts favor on people's lives to help people. He put favor on Joseph's life so he could save Israel alive. He put favor on Moses' life so he could again save Israel. He put favor on Esther's life. She came to the kingdom for such a time as this that she could save Israel. Well, the truth of the matter is, we, you and I are not trying to save a nation. We're trying to save the people that are on the planet because we have a Savior and his name is Jesus. And so the favor on your life will not only bless you and your family, but look for it to bless everybody around you. And so we've been looking at Nehemiah. I like to study Nehemiah. I teach about him and leaders things. I teach about him to pastors, but I'm teaching about him to you because this is what I see. He got a report from his brother, his blood brother. And he said this, he said, all the walls in Jerusalem are down. So it'd be like somebody saying today, the church is a mess. The church is a mess. And when, he, when the brother said that, something dropped on Nehemiah that he was not expecting. He began to grieve. Listen to me. If something grieves you, you can probably understand, then you've got something to do to help fix it. If something irritates you, if something makes you mad, then it doesn't, shouldn't just make you mad, just make you mad. It's, then the Lord should give you something. Every one of us are ordained to fix a problem. So Nehemiah got that from his brother. God dropped on him. He began to grieve. And then the Lord began to put a burden, so to speak, a, a formula, something on his heart. And so he had to go to the king who he worked for. Remember, he had a cushy job. He would taste the thing. If he died, the king was going to be okay because now he died. But So he had an important job. And, and the king liked him, and the king just wasn't going to give him up. But he came, and one day the king said, what's up with you? He said, well, Jerusalem's a mess. The walls are down. My people are a mess. 
uh, and, and he said, King, can I go fix it? And the king's like, yeah, you go fix it. He gave him favor. Everybody say favor. favor. And that's what that was because that's what he said. The Bible says he had favor. Favor will cause things to happen for you in this hour that you can't get on your own. Not with enough education, not with enough hard work. This is not what this is about. This is about God putting something on you. It's like it is grace in the New Testament. All the favors. Remember Acts chapter 3. It does talk about, it talks about, uh, the, uh, um, not Acts chapter 3. Um, it talks about um, where uh, years of profuse favor abound. I can't go back in my notes. What is it? Luke 4, 18, that's what I thought. I was just like, no, that's not it. I just told the Holy Ghost, no, that's not it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Luke 4, 18 and 19, uh, when it talks about the acceptable year of the Lord. In the, King, in the Amplified Classic, it talks about year, uh, it talks about profuse favor abounding. Come on, say it again. I have, I have profuse, favor. profuse favor. But that profuse favor is not just for you. It's not just for your family. It's to fix something. Do you think the church might need some fixing? Is Jesus coming for a broken church? Is he coming for a weak, wimpy church? No, he's coming for a glorious church. And you have a part. And when you do your part, your family will be blessed. Yeah, but my family's not doing so hot. When you do your part, God will get in the middle of it. Come on, I believe in household salvation. You may be the first, but you're not going to be the last. Jesus is the first and the last, but if you're the first, even the last one's going to get. I'm watching this in my extended family. It is just beyond cool what God is doing. And it didn't happen overnight, but it's happening. Favor. Everybody shout favor. favor. Woo, turn to your neighbor and say, you got favor. You got favor. How, what kind of favor? Profuse favor. And so here Nehemiah is, and he's got favor. And then he, he gets really bold. Favor will make you bold. He said, hey, king, uh, can I have the best material? And he said, sure, you can use the wood I would use. And then he said, can I get a letter that when I come up to somebody who thinks I'm an escaped slave, that I can give them my letter and they'll let me pass through? And he said, sure, here's a letter. And then he didn't even ask for it. And the king said, let me give you some army, some protection, some personal security guards so you can pass all the way through. Everybody shout favor. What's this favor for? Just so Nehemiah can be a big shot? Going from a servant to a, eventually he becomes a gov, temporary governor. What's that for? No, it's not for that. It's so he can do his assignment. And when he gets there, he's telling the people what God has done. Um, so here in uh, Nehemiah 2.17, Then said I unto him, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. So they become a reproach. Everything was broken down. Nothing was working right. The word of the Lord was not being heard. People didn't understand it. The families were scattered. The walls were down. And then I told them this in verse 18. This is what we've got to be able to tell people, y'all, and it is true. The hand of my God is good on me. 
Is God good on you? Is the hand of God on you? Come on, y'all. We're New Testament believers. God is in us. God is for us. And God is on us. No, God is in us. God is for you. And God is on you. And so he told him, the hand of God is on me. So, well, that just sounds prideful. It's not prideful because he didn't do it. But he just obeyed and the hand of God came on him. Come on, say it again. The hand of God is on me. And also the king's word that he had spoken in me. So he said, he told him, he rehearsed what the king said. And they said, he didn't have to get up there and go, come on, y'all, let's rise up and build. Please, let's rise up and build. I'm begging you to rise up and build. He just told them what God said. He told them what God did. And they all began to say, let's rise up and build. Let's rise up and build. Let's rise up and build. So they strengthened their hand for this good work. And so God began to move on the people. And then right in the middle of that, you always have an enemy. This uh, Sanballat and the Hornonite and Tobiah, the servant, the Amorite, all them ites, they bad. Just like all the isms today. The ites and the isms all bad. And the ites and the isms all have a voice. And they said they laughed at us. And they despised us. And they even said, listen to me. One of the things you'll learn about this right now is one of the things the devil will always try to attack you at is the thing that you're strongest at, not that you're always weakest at, the thing that you, you want to do. Like if you want to be a person of integrity and honor, then the, the devil will send someone to strike at your integrity and honor. I've, I've seen it in the word, but I've watched it in lives in my life. The devil, he's like, no, I'm not going to let you be that. I'm not going to let you say that. I'm not, I'm not going to let you be that kind of example. I'm going to attack you there. I'm going to attack you there. But guess what? Jesus defeated him, and, and we, we, can, we, can, we can be what God has called us to be. Um, and then verse 20 says, then I answered to them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will. So he's answering the enemy. How I many remember I always tell you this. Don't you ever let the devil have the last word. Remember the fig tree? Y'all remember the fig tree? Jesus approached it. Uh, happily, if he, happily, he's ready to get some figs. How many know he's the creator? He ought to get some figs if he wants some figs. Right? And he came up to it, and it didn't have any figs on it. It had leaves on it. It should have had figs on it. And that's really what you should get out of that. It sh- the creator knew it should have figs on it. And he answered it. Y'all good? All right, come on. Are you ready to answer some stuff? Again, don't you ever let the devil or circumstances have the last word. You give it the last word. He said, no man shall eat fruit from you hereafter forever. He looked at it, he cursed it, and then he walked away. Didn't have any more time for it. You didn't have what I needed. You were supposed to have it. I'm, I'm moving on. And how many know then they came back the next day and Peter, thank God for Peter. We may not have known that. Peter said, look, Lord, the tree that you cursed. And Jesus said, that's good. I can do that, but don't try this at home. You know, kind of like you see those uh, shows where they do those weird things. You know, there's always a thing on the disclaimer that says, don't try this at home. It's too dangerous. That's what most people think when it comes to faith and authority that Jesus said, don't try this at home, you mere human. But that's not what he said because from that very teaching came Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. And he said, have the God kind of faith. Amen. 
And so this is the deal. Why, why are we talking about this? Because with favor comes some authority. With favor comes an assignment. Y'all didn't think you were going to get an assignment, but I didn't give you an assignment. The Lord gave you one when you were in your mother's womb. And I'm just trying to here to stimulate your assignment. I'm trying to get you in your assignment. I'm trying to get you to where you'll finish your assignment because we all got an appointment at the judgment seat of Christ. And I want every one of you, and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. So what happened here uh, in chapter 3? I love this. Um, and this is not my sermon. I'm still introducing. Hallelujah. Um, but I love chapter 3. And you're going to look at this. Um, this is where they actually rebuilt. And I love this, how the, the Spirit of God gave this to us. In chapter 2, it says, And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. And next to them. In, chap- in verse 4, And next to them. And then next to them. And then next to them. Verse 5, And next unto them, the Tekoites repaired, the, but their nobles didn't put their neck to the work. I just brought that in because some people might have thought they were too good. Verse 7, And next to them. And verse 8, Next to them. And next to them. Verse 9, And next to them. And verse 10, And next to them. And next to them. And turn to your neighbor and say, I'm next to you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm next to you. I have a temptation for you to turn around, say something behind you, but if I tell you all to turn around somebody behind you, then you'll be talking to nobody. Hallelujah. Do you understand my point? Next to you. These were all different people, all different skill sets, all different economic status, different ages, but everybody did their part. The favor of God came. And no matter what was going on in that city before Nehemiah got there, suddenly, because the hand of God was upon him, suddenly, because he had favor with God and and favor with man, that something that had been in disrepair, that nobody could fix, that the enemy was taking advantage of morning, noon, and night, suddenly, everything began to change. And one man with the anointing, one man with the call of God, one person with favor with God and man began to change everything, just said a word. Just said a word, and suddenly, where they couldn't, you know, do anything, they weren't working together, suddenly, this man and this family began to do their part. And before you know it, the person next to him began to do their part. And it's just like the body of Christ. Every one of us have an assignment. Every one of us has something to do from God. Every one of you have a supply of the Spirit that God needs in this hour. There are no bystanders. There are no just chair sitters everybody doing their part everybody doing what God has asked them to do and when they began to do it when everybody did their part suddenly the walls were done now it wasn't without challenge remember we talked about it I mean the enemy saw this thing is working the devil comes really hard two times at the beginning of a plan and when it's working and it's about to be finished and so when they enemy saw that, uh, hey, our free days of, of stealing and killing and destroying from these people is about over. Because once they get that wall back up, our days are over. And so, man, they sent this and they sent that and they made fun of and they threatened ten times. 
And so they can't, God gave him a plan. In the middle of favor, there's always a plan. In the middle of favor, there's always instructions. There's, because if God's got something for you to do, he will show you how to do it. Now listen to me. I appreciate Jericho's strategy. How many of you know that's one of the coolest strategies I've ever seen? Remember when they went into the promised land the second time and they began to march around Jericho? Any Pentecostals in the room? Have you ever had a Jericho march? I'm not opposed to a Jericho march, but everything's not going to work with a Jericho march. That was a one-time assignment. They did it that way, and when they shouted, the walls fell down. In other words, if you want a house and, and, and you can't get it, I would not recommend you and your family go marching around that house. This is Alabama, by the way, and, and you you ought to be careful where you go. Well, I, I just believe. Well, if the Lord didn't tell you to do that, you ought not do that. That's like if you want a BMW that you can't afford and God didn't tell you to have, you going down to a dealership and laying your hands on one and even praying in the Holy Ghost and getting the Holy Ghost jerks, that, pray, that may not work for you. It probably won't work for you because you saw somebody else do it. You heard somebody else say they did that. But if God didn't tell you to do that, you don't have any faith to do that. You're just a poly parent and you're trying to make God do something and he's not obligated to that. You need, an, you need a method. You need a plan. I appreciate Jericho. And if the Lord ever says we'll do a Jericho march, I'll lead it. But really what I'm saying to you is there's always a strategy in the middle of favor. So he gave him a strategy. Half of you are going to do this, half of you are going to do this. And those of you that are building the wall, you're going to put the, the thing, what is it called again? Trail. What, trial? That's not a trail. It's a trial. I don't know. It's that thing that you do build stuff with. And you got a sword in the other hand. That's interesting. And listen to this. I find this interesting. So I really hadn't, I don't really, usually when I look at this, don't talk about it much. But so here, I mean, so even with the enemy from the outside, how many of you know the wall is being built? And really much, all that's left is to put the gates up. Everything's getting back in place. And then suddenly, we're having a problem from within. Everybody's been working together. I mean, they worked next to and next to and next to. And they were singing and they was putting up walls and everybody was happy. But suddenly, there became some internal problems in chapter 5. The people began to grumble against one another because who they were next to was somebody they had to sell their children to. And they had to mortgage their homes. And because there was a famine in the land and they couldn't have any food, so they mortgaged their homes and their vineyards and their children. And who were they mortgaging them to? Not just the people on the outside, the rich folks on the inside. Brothers, someone who is supposed to help me is now taking advantage of me when I'm down. And Nehemiah, and that, so they, so what happens if the devil can't get you from the outside? He's going to try to get you from the inside. Because if listen to me, how many of you know we're not ignorant of the devil's devices? And Nehemiah, even though it's in the old covenant, you can see how the enemy works to try to keep things from getting done in your life. 
One of the things that Nehemiah said, and I want you to say this, is remember when the enemy kept trying to come and get him? I'm getting ahead of myself. But he kept saying, I'm doing a great work, and I will not come down. I believe after your relationship with the Lord Jesus, with our Father in heaven, uh, with the Holy Ghost, then second, I think you need to know what God has ordained you to do. And I believe if he asks you to do something, it, it will bless you. It will bless your family. you got to know it's God. But when you do it, I believe you got to understand that the devil and circumstances are going to try to get you down off of your wall. But you got to be able to say when the enemy comes, when the problems come, when the circumstances come, you got to be able to say, I'm doing a great work. Everybody say it, I'm doing a great work, and I will not come down. So right in the middle of all that, he's just dealt with the outside enemy. Now we got inside problems. Inside problems. Listen to me. Your marriage is a spiritual thing. God's the one who created it. And if all you do is try to handle it from the natural, it won't be handled. Children were God's idea. Now, whether you have one or ten of them, that's between you and the Lord. But they were God's idea. Whether you realize it or not, even your job, your career, what you're good at were God's idea you got to be very careful in this life that you don't make things a natural thing versus Sunday morning only a spiritual thing. You, you don't have a sacred life and a secular life. you just got one. And everything within your life is of the Lord. When everything you do, you're to do it unto the Lord. And so it, don't separate off marriage, children, career, Everything you do away from God, integrated in. It's all God cares about all of it. He's the one who started it. Yeah, but mine has been messed up. Well, thank God that Jesus is the healer of the broken heart. He can fix it. But my point is then right here when, come on, you got to imagine Nehemiah. He left the king. He's doing something he's not comfortable at. God's hand is on him. He's had this enemy morning, noon, and night trying to get him to, to give up, give in. And he's had to be bold about it and say, I'm not coming down. I, I, we're going to get this done. And then suddenly, here comes internal problems. Now, what would be the temptation? Y'all, I'm not here to mess with your problems. I am here to build a wall. Now, you all get along till I'm done. And I don't care, but that's not what he did. Because the family problems were going to be big problems down the road. And so you know what he did? He handled it. He handled it. You ever heard anyone tell you to handle your business? Handle it. But you can't handle it alone. You need God. And so you know what he did? He had a meeting. Now, some meetings are good. I don't know if he served him dinner, but he had a meeting. Now, in our circle, or, or sometimes the people, I make a joke about it, but, you know, have you ever had a come-to-Jesus meeting? That's what he had before Jesus. He had a come-to-Jesus meeting. What does that mean? I'm not putting up with this anymore. And he was blatant. Man, he was strong. You, he's, he's like, he, you, you, this group, you wrong. You took advantage of them. Give it back. 
What did he declare? He declared jubilee when there was no jubilee to be had. That's really what he did. Profuse favor. He, he declared jubilee. He said, you, you, you took that wrongly from them. Give them their children back. Give them their vineyards back. Give them their land back. Because why were they selling anyway? Uh, it's interesting because they had to pay the king. Now, it all can get kind of complicated. They had to pay their taxes. And because they couldn't pay their taxes, they sold their, they mortgaged. They did all that. And it ended up that the rich among the Jerusalem, um, they took advantage of them. And so really what he, everybody shout, shout Jubilee. What is Jubilee? It's your, that's profuse favor. And guess what? It didn't hurt those other people. Verse 11, restore, I pray you. Verse Chapter 5, verse 11. Restore, I pray you to them and this land, their lands, their vineyard, their olive garden, their houses, also the hundredth part of their money out of the corn, the wine, the oil that you exacted from them. And then they said, we will restore them. What it, what it, what is favor? It's complete restoration. We will restore them and will require nothing of them. We will do what you say. God, come on, y'all. This is a miracle. Not only, but listen, he was not only dealing with the outside enemy. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm tired. I remember two or three years ago when everything was going on, I would say to the Lord, Lord, I'm tired. This is a lot. This, 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 it's a lot. And you know what he would say to me? Mark, being tired is not a strategy. No, I was looking for some loving. I was looking for some, it'll be all right. I didn't have time for it, it'll be all right. He gave me strategy. He gave me plans. He told me the purpose. He, he, he began to get, and so that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. He will, we will restore them. And, they, and require nothing of them, so that we would do what you say. Then I called the priests and took an oath to them that they should do according to this promise. And also I shook my lap and said, so God shake out every man from his house and from his labor that performs not this promise. In other words, I ain't playing. God's not playing. You said it, you do it. And all the congregation said what? Amen. Amen. And they did what? And the people did it. They weren't just a hearer only, they were a doer thereof. Praise the Lord. And the Lord got in it. And, um, so it, they were blessed, right? And so uh, I'm just going through this. All right, now I can start my sermon. Hallelujah. Um, so chapter 6 then begins where, okay, the enemy came. We got that fixed. Got a strategy. And Inward arising came, people being disgruntled. When people get disgruntled, they want to get out of their place. They want to quit doing what they're doing. He had to deal with it. In the things you and I have, the problems of our life, Jesus has destroyed the work of the devil. He has seated you far above every principality, power, might, and dominion. Amen. You are not ignorant of the devil's devices. He has made you more than a conqueror and overcomer in this life. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal flesh. Amen. You are a winner. He always causes you to triumph. Come on, we always win in Christ Jesus. And when we're done, we're going to win again because he always causes us to triumph. And so he, he gets those things done, and then 
Uh, it's about done. And in verse, chapter 6, it says that it came to pass, verse 1, when Sinbalat and Tobiah and uh, the, all the rest of their enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no more breach left in them, though at the time, I love this, though at the time I had not yet put up the doors. In other words, they thought it was done, but it wasn't totally done. And that Sinbalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some uh, of the village of the plain of Ono. But they thought this to be mischief, and I sent a message to them. This is where I get this, saying, I am doing a great work. Everybody say that again. Say, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why would the work cease while I leave it and come down and talk to you? The devil's always trying to get you off your wall. The devil's always trying to get you out of faith. The devil's always trying to remove you from your authority. The devil's always trying to move you from your place that God has ordained for you. Um, how does he do that? Many times through offense. Many times through circumstances. Many times it is just a feeling. Well, I ain't feeling that anymore. Well, it's not about whether you're feeling it or not. What did the Lord say? Come on. The devil is not ignorant. Uh, he's been deceiving uh, uh, human beings for millennia, even perfect ones. And if you're ignorant of his devices, you're going to be deceived. He's going to give you an offense. He's going to get you out of love. He's going to try to, he's going to, try to put a root of bitterness in you. Uh, he's going to uh, make the grass look greener on the other side. And you all know what's on the other side. Come on, your mama told you what? It's just a septic tank. <laughs> if you don't know what a septic tank is, you didn't get raised on a farm. <clears throat> I don't have time. Just because it's greener in that little patch, all it means, never mind. Come on, the devil uses stuff like that to get you out of the will of God. I've been doing this a long time, y'all, and I've worked with a lot of people who did things, who took a job in another city. Now, sometimes it is the will of God. Now, as a pastor, it's always the will of God for you to leave where you are and come here. That's my opinion. And most people, though, when a person goes somewhere else, they think, well, that can't be God. But God does move people. He does. And it's his will. But you should never take a job just because it's more money. That makes you money-minded. Makes you making decisions based on money. You should never. Yeah, you No, Pastor, you preach prosperity every Sunday morning. No, we preach the word every morning on giving and receiving. That's what we preach. And the truth of the matter is, if you hear it correctly, it will keep you from being money-minded and having dollar signs for pupils. And what does that mean? You won't make decisions based on money. You'll make decisions based on the Word of God and leading of the Holy Ghost. Anytime you make a decision based just on money, you're going to be in trouble. That's just extra. Hallelujah. There's no charge. Hallelujah. Um, so here we got, the, here comes the enemy one more time because everything's about done. Everybody said again, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. And they came back four times. The devil is persistent. And he had to say the same thing over and over again. And then the fifth time he came, now, now the devil, when you won't yield to that, he may throw something a little hotter at you. Because this next time he came with an open letter. What's an open letter? Well, a lot of times when letters were important, they sealed it with a signet so that nobody could open it if the seal was broken. But he brought him an open letter. 
In other words, everybody's reading this. And the thing that they were trying to tell him was, we know you're trying to become a little king here. And you're against our king, and we're going to let him know that you are doing this. The very thing that he tried very hard to do correctly, that's what the devil's coming after. So all that's going on. And um, you guys are going to rebel. And verse 7, and you have appointed prophets to preach to you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah, and now shall be reported the king according to these words. So you even got prophets prophesying that you're the king, you're the king, you're the king. Uh, then I sent unto them, saying, there are no such things done that you say. And what did he do? He answered it. There are no such things done you say, but you feign as them. You're lying. You figured them out. You're making these up out of your own heart. For they, for they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it shall not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. So what did he do? He answered them back, and then he went vertical. Anytime the devil comes, you have to know that it's an attack. You have to know that it's trying to get you off the wall. You have to know he's trying to keep you from doing what God has called you to do, get you out of your place, get your family out of its place, and you got... Lord, strengthen my hand. Or in our day, in the New Testament, you can just begin to confess the word. I'm strong in the Lord. I will accomplish what he's called me to do. My hands are anointed. My mind is alert. I'm the righteous of God. I'm going to follow the steps that God has given me. Amen? And so then, man, he's getting, this enemy's getting mean and vicious. Now he's going spiritual. And what they did was they hired them a prophetess and some other prophets. And they sent them and said, thus says the Lord, quit it. (laughs) Look. And even in verse 10, afterwards I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, the son of that guy, who was shut up, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God. Now listen to me. Nobody could go into the house of God except for the priest. He's neither a king, priest, nor a prophet. He's just anointed to do a special work. What is the deal here? Now listen. It's kind of like in the old covenant. Do you remember? Man, this used to irritate me, and I could never understand it. Do you remember when King David tried to bring the ark back in? And they were bringing the ark in, and they didn't do it right. And Uzzah, instead of letting God fall on the ground, thought he was doing right and tried to stable, touch the ark. And, tried, and remember, he dropped dead. Now, I was reading that for the first time after I came to the Lord. I'm like, well, that's not fair. Now, remember, it's old covenant. But especially God had a procedure. God had an order. And when David didn't get mad, he figured out the right thing to do. Remember, that's when he brought the ark in and he was dancing. And his woman said, his wife said, you know, you ought to quit that. And he said, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Y'all remember that? Those are my words. Hallelujah. And so, um, but it's, it's similar. He's trying to get him to go into a place that he has no business being. And although he is in charge and in, in the in natural man's right, I have every right to protect myself. God sent me here. This is God's doing. So what's the big deal of me going in and protecting myself? And that's what they were trying to get him to see, to do. So someone was 
uh, had connived a plan with these enemies from within. Those are the ones that hurt the most from within. Now, you've all experienced stuff like that. People you do for the most. People you help the most. People you've gone out of your way for. And then suddenly you say, what? For what reason? And so that's what they're trying to do here to him. And he said, he said, let's get together in the house of God within the temple. Let us shut the doors of the temple, for they'll come to slay you that you might, uh, and you'll be there and you'll be safe. Verse 11, and I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. His character was so above reproach, and he wasn't doing this for him. He was doing it because God told him to do it. Wow. And, and he said, I perceive that God had not sent him. And again, that perception is even working in the old covenant, and it'll work with you today. But, uh, but he, that he pronounced this prophecy upon me, for Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so. The enemy will sometimes go to great lengths to get you out of the plan because you got favor on your life. Why am I telling you all this? Yes, there's favor. Yes, there's profuse favor. And yes, it's something to be excited about. But I'm a pastor. And so as a pastor, I like to teach you the full counsel of the word of God. Because some people, when they get favor and they get excited and we get a t-shirt that says profuse favor and it's all good, then when something comes up to get them out, they're like, I thought God said. God did said. I said, God did say. Just because the enemy shows up to derail you, that's when you've got to know, no, God did say, and I'm going to use my authority. I'm going to stand in my place, and I will not be moved. Come on, you remember the Apostle Paul? Remember uh, uh, Agabus came, and right before he came, and all the, the, um, Philip the Evangelist's daughters, they were all prophesying, and they were really begging him, you know, don't go, don't go, don't go. Don't go. And, and then Agabus came, and most people misunderstand this. Remember, he took his girdle and bound his hands and feet and said, everywhere you go. And, and you know what the Paul, Paul says? It's like, you know what, y'all? Jesus told me that from the very beginning. I'm willing to do this. This is the plan for my life. Y'all don't cry. I can be sad. You know, try to hold me here. Uh, I'm going to go. And they said, the will of the Lord be done. And a lot of people, when they read that, they think, well, he's wrong. So just the will of the Lord. No, that was the will of God. And so he went in it knowing what was going on. He, he, he knew what was going on. But even sometimes people who love you try to protect you, and they'll try to even get you out of the plan of God. Not on purpose. Y'all, don't tell anybody and nobody on TV. But if I had listened to everybody in Illinois, especially after it didn't go that great, when they are all begging me to come home that I had made a mistake, we wouldn't be here today. I had to hear from God when it was the toughest, when I wanted to run the fastest. I'm talking to somebody in this room, just because it's tough, don't give up. It is the year of favor. And if it's outside mess or it's an inside mess, and just think you, well, I, I just got done with it. Pastor Mark, you're making me tired because I got all this fight to do. No, sit down in heavenly places far above. Take a rest in Jesus Christ. And you always win.
And you always win. He was hired so I should be afraid. Uh, and that they, verse 13, might have an evil report that they might reproach me. And it says, my God, think on Tobiah and Sanballat according to these their works. And on the prophetess uh, Naodiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. But it wasn't long after that, after this final surge of the enemy that came, it's a real all and out spiritual attack that everything got done. And then he appointed his brother governor. The word of the Lord was read and the people understood it. The walls were up, the gate was up, Jerusalem was back. But it wasn't just the city was back. The word of the Lord was read. And you know, you and I love it. Uh, Nehemiah talks about, you know, the people when they heard the word of God, they grieved because they hadn't heard it for so long. And they, for the first time, they understood it. And he, they began to say, now's not the time to cry. Now's the time to rejoice. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. It wasn't about no walls. It wasn't about no gates. It was about the word. And when the word was proclaimed, the people were changed. And Jerusalem, once again, began to be a city set on a hill. Realize that everything that God's asking you to do is for the kingdom of God. Aren't you grateful for your king? Hallelujah. Now listen, just real quick before we go. If you're in this room and you think, man, all, you know, the attack stuff, I feel that all the time. Well, listen, if you're not born again or you're away from God, then you've opened yourself up to the devil. But I know a way because I know a man. His name is Jesus. Now, what Jesus did when he went to the cross, we know this in Colossians 2.15. It says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, Jesus made a show of the devil openly triumphing over them in it. When Jesus hung on a cross, his arms stretched wide. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin. If you want to live in victory, you've got to, let, you've got to acknowledge, you've got to receive the one who took your sin, who took your guilt, who took your shame, who took your pain. And at the same time, the Bible says that he took stripes on his back at the whipping post. And with those stripes, you are healed. And then he, the Bible says this, that, that he became poor, that you could become rich. What am I talking about? Jesus made a great transfer for us so that you and I can walk in the blessings of God. When he was on the cross... He did everything you need. That's where you've got to begin. And if you've never been born again or you've been away from God, you've got to go back to the cross, but you don't stop at the cross. You, wait, you understand that Jesus has been raised from the dead and he's alive. I remember this. Um, you know, remember when Mary came to, to the grave where, and she didn't know it was Jesus. She thought it was the gardener. And, and, but she went to touch him. And he said, don't touch me. Not because she's a woman. Because this is what he said, I have not yet ascended to my father and your father. That's some new language. In order to get through life, God's got to be your father. And when Jesus went and put his blood on the mercy seat, and then he sat down at the right hand of the father, he did that for you and he did that for me.